0: Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good, good. It's a good morning. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Just you and me? Uh, I really liked, I don't, some of you might not know this, but Haven and Gaitana lead this incredible group on Wednesday nights where they teach our kids music, and it is so cool to, to just to see these young people, like, write, like, they wrote a story this last time because they're teaching them songwriting. They wrote this amazing story, and my daughter has been so hyped on that ever since. She's been so excited, and I, I just love inspiring that creativity. You know, church, we're meant to be a creative place, right? God is a creator. He's creative. He made us to be creative, and so I love that. I just, can we honor them for just investing in our kids. We love that. I'm going to see if we can't. Oh, there we go. Perfect balance. Uh, uh, I Man, I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. Like Katie said, we are praying and believing for, for a greater space right now. Actually, we've received some great offers on this building, and our, our team is working through that. Our, our broker and everyone is working through those contracts, and uh, so we're really excited about, about the sale of this building. I encourage you to be praying and fasting with us, and also for where the Lord is leading us for a new space that can better meet the needs of our community, and uh, as we're see God really do powerful things I I've been so encouraged I was at love the block this past uh, the, the other week and had the blessing of sitting down with the team there that has really ministered over over these families and we, we, I love everybody from that block and we had the chance to, to sit with a husband and wife and the husband was passing away and and, and pray for him and he did he did pass away uh, this this past week, but I, I told Nick and our team, as you know, it's, it's heaviness when you're walking through things with people, and I get that. I, I prayed specifically for three people the, this past week, and they all passed away on, on the same day. So I understand as a pastor and a minister, but I, I told the team, I said, listen, because of your obedience and as you've walked through, there's somebody who's in heaven today. There's someone who's celebrating pain-free with God who did not know Jesus and now knows Jesus and is free. And, man, it just, as you give to kingdom builders, you might not see that person. You might not sit there and hold their hand. But can I tell you that because of your obedience, people are going, um, they're in heaven for eternity, and I just love that. I met with our men's team this morning. We were talking about shepherding men, especially as we head into the fall, so encouraged by that team of godly leaders, and I know our women's team and their leadership team put on a brunch this past week, just so encouraged, seeing women coming alongside in unity and supporting one another, and then today, some of our youth and our youth leaders went to our, just left at 10.30 for youth camp, so we are so thankful and excited for that. I'm just thankful for people who take work off to go hang out with a bunch of teenagers for a week. I I just think, man, God bless them. In fact, I thought, man, we could pray this morning for that youth team. God has been so good and blessed us with this incredible team of people, but let's pray for them. as They're going to go to camp for, I think, four days and believe for God to move in these young lives. That's such an incredible season. I know some of them are here today, youth team as well. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you uh, for these kids that are going up to camp. We pray that you would encounter them and move upon their lives. We pray that you would speak into them, that you would secure their identity in you, and Holy Spirit, you would move upon them. We pray protection as they travel, and we just pray an encouraging four days that they would come back celebrating at how you've moved in their life. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you use people of all ages, and you give the fullness of your spirit to all people. So we just pray that upon them in your name. Amen. Lord's good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, Are there anybody here that loves to give gifts? Are there any, like, people who are like, I love giving gifts? Yes, yes, yes. I love to give gifts. I know there's, like, five love languages, and so there's people who are like, I don't like giving them, but I like getting them, right? Uh, I don't know. I feel like all five love languages I really like, but I love to give gifts. There's just something about, in my opinion, finding something that you think somebody would like like, even unprompted, and then giving it to them, you're like, oh, like, I saw this, I thought of you, and I kept it. I'm not good. Once I buy something for somebody, like, I need to give it immediately. Like, I buy Katie's birthday present, like, a day before her birthday, because I'm not a good secret keeper. I'm not a good, like, hide it. I have to make it, like, mysterious, and then I feel, I do feels icky. I don't know. So, I just, I'm not good at it. Like, I I literally, when I proposed to Katie, I had, I think I locked the ring in my parents' safe till the day before. I was like, you better keep this locked down. Don't let me get it. (laughs) Like, or else I'm going to give it to her too early. Uh, But but I love to give presents, and I love to think, like, oh, they would love this. Like, oh, I saw something for you. Like, Gatana and I are like, this. like, oh, I saw this. I thought of you. It was this really random thing, and I love it, And, and buying. I love, uh, Thinking of somebody, and then honestly, just selfishly, it's a good feeling when you find something that's like perfect for somebody. You're like, I knew it, right? It's, I know it's affirming. It feels good. I mean, it's okay to be a little selfish when you give gifts, right? You spent the money anyways, right? Uh, but it, it it feels good to get something. But I know some people, and, and we can just be honest. Some people, you're like, you are uh, the Amazon wish list people, right? I've noticed this trend, right, where some people, you're not big gift givers or receivers. You're not super comfortable in that world. So you're like, I have an Amazon wish list. Here are the things that I would like. Buy these things and do not go off the list. And and I've noticed, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand for this. Don't worry. Uh, But I've noticed that these kind of people... Usually is for a couple reasons. One, you have a lot of stuff and no one knows what to get you. Right? Like, there are those people who are like, what do I even buy them that they do not impulsively purchase on their own? You can't shop for these people more than like an hour before gift giving. You have to like to the dot and then like check their credit card history to see even in that moment what they've purchased. Like, what am I going to buy them? But the wish list is helpful because you can update it. The other one that I've noticed is some of us aren't great gift givers, and uh, some of us have family members, certainly wouldn't be any of us who are not great gift givers. Right? I feel like everybody has that wild card family member who buys you gifts based off some kind of core memory they have for you that doesn't really describe who you are. They're like, yeah, I remember when you were 16, you liked tigers. So I bought you a life-size tiger stuffed animal. You're like, I'm 45. (laughs) Like, what am I gonna do with this? I don't know, put it in your office. You're like, thank you, Aunt Carol. Like, I don't I don't know what that's for. But we all I don't I have that family member you have that family member, some of you are that family member, and so for you, the Amazon wish list was created, because your family has all decided, don't go off the list, right? These are the things I'm, I'm good with. Uh, like, maybe like a year and a half ago, my wife decided she's no longer making lists. Now, for, for extended family, that there's the list, because, You know, they they ask. But I always find that weird too, right? Like if you don't know me well enough to know that what I like or don't like, can I just tell you, you're free from ever buying me a gift. If we're not close enough that you know what I like, don't buy me anything. Let's just hang out get to know each other, right? I I think general rule, we need to expect less gifts from people. When it's Christmas time, if someone doesn't know you well enough to buy you a gift, you shouldn't expect a gift from them. That should be a a, a measure of friendship. Maybe it's like, well, we should hang out more. That's the gift, right? Anyways, I digress. (laughs) But my wife said, she said, I'm not making a list anymore. She said, you, you, I trust you. You know me. Just get me what you'd think I'd like. (sighs) Right? Right? I'm a good gift giver, but that stresses me out. Dudes, you know what I'm talking about. Like, stuff, you know, what do you like? What do you like? So she likes clothes, so that looks like me somewhere in November wandering around Nordstrom's hoping for the best. Right? Uh, but But I actually do appreciate that, if I'm being totally honest. Because there's something in the relationship that makes sense to me where she says, you know me. You've paid attention to my life. And my interests, you've listened to me, so I trust you to get me something. And I think I've done all right so far. All right, good. Whew. Pray for me. Uh, you know whatever. There's a trust there in relationships. She says, "Oh, you're a good gift giver. I'll trust you to give good gifts." And that's a blessing to my life. And today, as as we look at X two, I want you to hear me say that the Holy Spirit is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a good gift. The Holy Spirit is a he, he's a being. He's part of the triune God. But the Holy Spirit is also a gift from God to bless your life. But often, we treat God like that weird family member that we're not sure he really understands us and what kind of gifts to give us. And we live, I I think, when I talk to a lot of believers, in fear of how the Holy Spirit as a gift and how he works in the gifts might make us uncomfortable. And so we kind of give God the spiritual wish list when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Like, okay, Holy Spirit, you can move in this way and this way, but you can never move in this way, and I'll take this, but not so much this. I'm going to go ahead and return that, whatever the sweater of the gifts of the Spirit is. Some of you are like, tongues. We'll get there. Uh, But... (laughs) But we, we sometimes do that to the Lord. We, don't tr- we, we might think we do, but often we don't trust that he's a good gift giver. We're actually sometimes, if we were honest, afraid of how God might move through us and what that might look like. I think we can be honest in that state. Many people that I talk to are afraid that God is like crazy Aunt Carol who's going to give us some weird gift that is really not, we, I don't like that. But the Holy Spirit is a gift, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a gift, and they are a blessing to our life. God is a good gift giver. Hear me. When it comes to giving gifts, God is hands down the best, the best gift giver. I, lo- I love Luke eleven thirteen When Jesus is talking, he says, If you then who are evil, talking about us, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I love Luke because not only did he write Luke, but also wrote Acts. And Luke is constantly focused on the Holy Spirit. Luke mentions the Holy Spirit more than any other gospel writer. He truly understands the indispensability of the Holy Spirit's enabling with the church. And Luke is constantly trying to say, man, the Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a blessing. I read a quote two weeks ago, but I just want to read it to you again. It says, without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable. I cannot read that word without thinking of the Princess Bride. You know... (laughs) Okay, you can go look that up later. I might have just dated myself here in that moment. It says, even impossible. He said, there can be no life without the life giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth, no fellowship without the unity of the spirit, no Christ likeness of character apart from his fruit, no effective witness without his power, as a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is dead. Today, if you leave with anything, like if you zone out, you're just on Instagram for the rest of the time, or you fall asleep because there's not enough oxygen in the room. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you had a long night, told, I just want you to hear this. The Holy Spirit is a, ble- is a gift to bless you, not scorn you. The Holy Spirit is a gift to bless you, not scorn you. It might stretch you. It, he might convict you. He might lead you to places that are uncomfortable for you, but he is a blessing He's not there to harm you. He's there to bless your life and to lead you and to guide you. And we can be assured of this and take hope of this because Jesus was filled with the Spirit. I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus was filled with the Spirit. And if we're disciples of Jesus, that means we want to be as Jesus was. And so if Jesus was filled with the Spirit, we should desire to also be filled with the Spirit. In Luke 3, remember I said Luke talks about the Spirit a lot. In Luke 3, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus as a dove when John baptized him. And then in Luke 4, we see as Jesus enters his public ministry that the writer tells us that Jesus is full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, and anointed by the Spirit. And that should give us some some peace, I think. Because Jesus is not prescribing to us anything that he has not already lived in and walked in and walked out. It's not a foreign thing he's prescribing us. He has been filled with the Spirit. Somebody say filled. And not only that, but he has promised the Spirit. Jesus promised. Somebody say promise. Jesus promised the Spirit. See, when Jesus was on earth, his disciples experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, who was full of the Spirit. He is the predominant focus of the working of the Spirit while he's on earth. But when Jesus ascends to heaven, he promises that you will know me and experience me through the Holy Spirit who will come upon you. And so in Acts 1-8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love this about Jesus. Is that within that promise of the Holy Spirit, what, what did he tag on there? The Great Commission. What's the Great Commission? Well, it's to bring the fulfillment of the promise through Jesus Christ to all the nations. That God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And God always fulfills his promise. And so as Jesus promised the Spirit, he sent his Spirit. And that's where we are today in Acts chapter 2. Today we're going to look at a scripture about Pentecost. Someone say Pentecost. Oh, come on. I don't even know if you can be Pentecostal and say it that quiet. <laughs> An angel loses its wings when Pentecostals say Pentecost that quiet. No, I'm <laughs> But let's say Pentecost. There we go, Pentecost, good job. Pentecost was already a feast, and at the time of the feast, the disciples were gathered. They were doing what Jesus said. They were in the upper room. They were praying. They were waiting for God to fall. I imagine that was a unique experience, waiting. How would you know? They haven't experienced it. And maybe the the zealous ones of them, maybe Peter, like, I mean, they were there for a while. Maybe he stood up a couple hours in, was like, guys, I feel like the Spirit's here. Why don't we go ahead and head out? Like, no, man, you need to chill. We've had enough of you for the past couple days. You need to chill. And he's like, I feel like we could go. I feel full of the power. Was that it? Did you guys hear that? I feel like I heard something. Lord, was that you? Or was I just thinking that that was you who said go? Okay, if you said go, not three times. Ah, I don't know. Maybe that wasn't it. Let's keep right. But it says they waited and they prayed. And then we jump into Acts chapter two. Let's jump there together. Verse one it says, when the day of what? Pentecost arrived. They were all together in one place, all of them, 120 people, men and women, gathered together. That's a big group of people. It says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them And rested on each one of them And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues As the Spirit gave them utterance I want to encourage you here We're going to talk about Pentecost today And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit And here's what I want to say At any moment in this sermon Get up and use the bathroom But when it comes to the altar time Can I encourage you Allow God to stir your heart You don't need to pee in that moment You don't need to fill up your giant water bottle it's fine. Leave it be. Let it clink along the floor. We hear it. Amen. But I want to encourage you. We're going to talk about Pentecost today. I want to encourage you. Allow the Lord to minister to your heart. So at any moment, but man, when that moment comes where I believe God's going to speak to your heart, don't get the distraction of the Spirit. Get filled with the Spirit. Allow the Lord to move. But there's a Pentecost experience. It's audible. It's manifest. It's outward. And it's happening in three parts. Let's look at those three parts together. Can we do that? Awesome. The first part is this. There was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. A sound like a wind. A blowing, rushing, audible sound. A powerful sound. That didn't say there was a wind. It says there was a sound that came into the room that they were at. Sound like a wind. I love that because in the Old Testament, the wind phenomena often accompanied the presence of God. A wind meant the presence of God. The life of God was coming. In Greek, the word uh, pneuma, pneuma, had a double meaning of both wind and spirit, and it's it's the same here. The wind, the spirit began to move, and like in Ezekiel, when Ezekiel is prophesying to the dry bones, it's the breath, the wind of Yahweh that comes in and breathes life into it, and in the same way, life from the Lord is beginning to breathe into it. The second thing it says is, there came upon them tongues as of fire. The word tongues here is glosse. That can mean a tongue as an organ, literally your physical tongue in your mouth. That can mean as a language. That can mean as a spiritual speaking or supernatural language. And it says as of fire. Throughout the Old Testament, remember these are these a are, uh, uh, You know, people who grew up, they're Jewish, they understand the Old Testament. A lot of them, uh, some of them were trained in the Old Testament, in Scripture, but they would have heard the powerful stories of the Lord. And in the Old Testament, fire represented the presence of God. Right? These things aren't random, right? The presence of God. When fire fell, the presence of God was there in the temple. When When the fire fell, the presence of God was on the altar. When the fire fell, the presence of God was in the tabernacle. And so Luke is dealing with this transcendent experience, right? I don't envy the gospel writers. Could you imagine trying to explain this moment in human words? It's like the most transcendent thing that's occurred, and you're just like, Holy Spirit help right when you're writing this down lead me inspire me to explain something so supernatural and transcendent and so he's expressing it in this kind of dual earthly analogy there were tongues as of fire like a tongue of flame that descended and then it tells us that they began to speak in other tongues there's a supernatural occurrence here and it says the third thing says they were filled someone say filled they were filled with the spirit what is often called the baptism of the spirit in Acts 1.5, Jesus promised. He said, "You've be been baptized by John, but soon you will be baptized in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit." Now, in other instances, the the word for this similar occasion is poured out. In Acts ten forty five, it uses poured out. In Acts eight sixteen and eleven fifteen, the 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 phrase came upon the Holy Spirit came upon them is used. And in Acts 2.38, in just a little bit, and even later in 10.47, it says, to receive. It says, and they received the Holy Spirit. He says, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. To receive it. It came upon them, poured out. They were baptized in. All of these scriptures refer to the experience of a new convert, someone who has made the choice, who has given their heart to Jesus Christ and confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart that he is Lord and Savior and raised from the dead. And so they received the Spirit. And you might have heard, you might say, wait a second, okay, so if we have received the Spirit, why then? Like, you know, we have presence night tonight, 5 p.m., a little advertisement, presence night tonight, 5 p.m. Why do we pray for the Spirit? Why do we pray for the Spirit to move? Well, because we also see in Scripture that not only is there a baptism of the Spirit, but there's a filling of the Spirit, which is different. Baptism poured out, came upon, received, all that refers to new converts who receive the Spirit, but filling refers to when the Spirit comes upon someone who's already a believer, and usually it's in some time of special inspiration or a testimony of faith. So like when Peter, says, was filled with the Spirit and begins to speak out in Acts 4, they're like, who's this dude, right? Or when they're praying and believing because they're under persecution, it says the house was shaken and they were filled and began to pray and speak. There's, there's a special happening, but, but they're different things. Are you still with me? Just a little little bit of teaching here so you follow us. So when we pray for that, often we're praying, if you're full of the Spirit already, we're praying, God, would you fill us? Would you move upon us? But what's happening here is the Holy Spirit is falling upon them, and then we have this initial evidence that the Spirit has fallen, which is speaking in tongues. Now, the assemblies of God says, okay, the, the initial physical evidence is speaking in tongues, and that's what it is right here, that as the, the Spirit fell, what happened? The disciples begin to speak in tongues. It was the first thing that they did. They begin to speak out in other tongues, and... Now, all throughout Acts, there's references and through the New Testament to uh, the Holy Spirit falling and other spiritual gifts occurring. But in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the early church, this is what's happening. They're speaking in tongues. You still with me? They're speaking out. It's profound. It's supernatural. And to their benefit, the evidence is physical. They're like, we're doing something that is profoundly supernatural and it's operating in our physical body, right? It's kind of hard to deny that. It's like, man, maybe that was just the pizza you ate earlier. It's like, no, this is profoundly supernatural, right? And so Acts 2, 5, let, let's talk about what actually happens. It says, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. It says, at this sound, the multitude came together, right? They heard the sound. Pretty interesting. They hear this commotion that's happening. They're all gathered there for the Feast of Pentecost. They hear the commotion. And it's like, it says, they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya beyond, uh, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them. thats people from Crete. He's not mocking anybody. Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. It says they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, "What does this mean?" But others mocking said they're filled with new wine, not in the good way. That word is literally like glucose. It's a sweet wine. It's a liquor. They're like, they're drunk. is what's happening. They're like. Some people are like, this is amazing. What's going on? Other people are like, wow, these guys are wasted. Says so they're speaking in tongues. I have to say, though it's losing ground currently in the things I preach, it's losing ground to gender identity and, and, and the biblical standard of marriage, I would have to say that, uh, that tongues has got to be one of the most controversial things that I could preach on, right? Like, I don't sleep well <laughs> before I get up to preach, because I want to make sure it's like really thought out, and, and that's primarily because I think it's such a powerful blessing of the Lord. But I see so many arms folded to this. So many walls go up. We're like those lizards from Jurassic Park that when we get threatened, we're just like, let's put it up. If everyone gets near me, I'm spitting venom 15 feet, right? <laughs> we don't know what to do. And, and I want to say, like, if you feel that way, if you're triggered by even talking about this or me saying this, I, I recognize why that is. A lot of times it's because it's been abused. And because you have been abused by it. And I, and I feel like we have to be on the same page of the church to say people have abused The gifts of the Spirit. But just like people abuse all kinds of things that are given gifts from God, we shouldn't throw them out. We should consistently focus on the biblical standard of what God has set. Right? We should focus on it. People abuse sex. They abuse marriage. They abuse intimacy. We don't throw those things out. We say, what is God given us how was he called us to live and we walk according to the biblical standard and as we walk through scripture we see really three biblical uses of tongues i want to give them to you here because i think it will clarify some stuff for us today the first one is evangelism the second is edification and the third is exaltation so i'm gonna give them in reverse order and i'll tell you what those are again so don't stress if you're a note taker like you said them too fast don't worry we'll get back there <laughs> But the the act of tongues in Acts 2 had a very specific purpose. It was supernatural. It was the work of, of the Spirit. And people were speaking supernaturally and being heard supernaturally. And some people didn't. They thought they were But they were speaking, and people ask, okay, what were they speaking? Were they speaking other languages? So, like, every person who stood up had, like, a very specific language they were speaking, and then, like, you would go to that, like, little circle and hear that language. Were they all speaking supernaturally in a spiritual tongue, and then people were hearing it in their language? And I got to say, the church has done a good job arguing about this for forever, but there's some things we can know and can't know. The things we can know. In Acts 2.4, when it says speaking in tongues, the word there is glosse. And glosse does not mean dialect. It means a tongue. And often it means a supernatural tongue. And consistently in Scripture, later on, we'll see that it's pointing to the supernatural act of speaking. In Acts 2.6, they say, we're hearing in our own language, but they don't say tongues. They say dialect. We're hearing them speak in glosse. We're hearing it in dialectos. We're hearing it in our own dialect. And then it says later in 2.11, hey, we're hearing them telling, speaking our own tongue, but the word again is glosse, pointing to the supernatural, People say, well, okay, were they speaking in, you know, all these languages? I think all these people listened, or, or were they speaking in a, in a heavenly tongue and it was being heard? And I say, well, 2.13, they say, well, they must be drunk. And I don't know about you, but I've never heard someone speaking another language and thought, that guy's wasted. Yeah. Right? Like, I've never heard someone speaking Mandarin and thought, man, that guy's blitzed. Right? It feels a little xenophobic, in my opinion, and a little biased to think, A, they weren't used to people from other nations being around them as they were in Jerusalem, and they were used to feasts of people gathering from all over to hear other languages wouldn't have been unusual to them, right? They would have heard other languages, and usually the response to language isn't like, wow, these guys are wasted. Now, they were Galileans, so it was surprising that they would know But it gives as much of a chance to say were they or weren't they. Here's what we do know 100% according to the word of God. They prayed for the spirit. The spirit fell upon them. The spirit supernaturally spoke through them in a powerful move of God. People heard that and it transformed their life. We can for sure know that part. Now, when we think of the the gift of tongues, I felt like we could just pause for a moment. I just wanted to share about speaking in tongues. Is that okay? Because I noticed a lot of confusion, so I just, I just want to clarify a little bit because I think that might put your heart at ease, and it might allow you to open your heart to maybe God moving in that way and, and, and not being closed off to it. I mean, the Lord moves as he moves, but it's really nice if we're like, however you want to move. I, I'm not afraid. So one of one of the things we know as we look at the New Testament that Paul addressed the speaking in tongues in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. And specifically, Paul is addressing this idea of order. And all throughout 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, he's using the glossa, he's using uh, this term for tongues, supernatural-inspired language, but he's not sp- talking about specifically in dialect, he's talking about an intelligible spiritual language, an ecstatic spiritual language, where people are speaking and communicating with God or where God is giving a word through supernatural language and it's being interpreted. I know, that's a lot, <laughs> right? That's a mouthful right there. So let me, let me explain. In fact, let's go to Scripture. Can we do that? Let's go to the Word of God. First uh, 1 Corinthians 12.4. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit, capital S, the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. And to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, lowercase s, meaning the happenings of the supernatural and spirits involved in that. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who are portions to each individual. Individually as he wills. I think this is a powerful scripture. Paul is speaking to the Corinthians and they were people in a church functioning and living and walking with the Holy Spirit. And the, this was all new. so we say here's how we have order. Here's how we have order within the church. There should be order within the church. Nothing too crazy. Nobody trying to lead anybody you know, uh, off the ledge and doing crazy things. So we should have order because we want to edify the body, fulfill the mission. And so these people, they were speaking in tongues. And in this case, the tongues they're speaking in are tongues that would be spoken and interpreted. They were uh, not, not a direct dialect, dialectos, but they were the glossa. And he says in fort, chapter 14, verse 1, he encourages them by saying, pursue love, And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues... But even more to prophesy, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. I, I think Paul's incredible at explaining things, and it's consistent as we look at the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit and the movement of the Holy Spirit in all the Scripture. Is that Paul encourages uh, the people of Corinth, the church, to seek speaking in tongues? Right? He says, "I, I want you to do it." I want you to walk in that. And in fact, Paul says I speak in tongues and later in verse 39 he says I command that it's forbid that you cannot forbid speaking in tongues. So he's a proponent of it. But he recognizes that the one who speaks in tongues speaks to men or speaks to God, not to men. It's it, it, there's an experience happening. He's recognizing and saying like, "Hey, if you're all speaking in tongues, no one's going to understand what you're saying." So it edifies you, but if the whole church is popping up all over And shouting things out in tongues It's not really going to edify the body Unless someone explains what's happening yeah. It says in that kind of chaos Not good for the church then Not super good for the church now And he begins to describe the difference And Paul recognizes Between personal worship and exaltation of God And the edification of the body of Christ Are you still with me? Yeah. Okay I'm trying to teach here today Because I think some teaching Will hopefully open our hearts a little bit here In verse 14 of chapter 14, he says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he doesn't know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person's not being built up. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, which is a flex. He says, nevertheless, in church, I'd rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. I love the focus on both. Can Can we celebrate that in the sense that he's saying, listen, speaking in tongues is a great gift. I pray that you would do it. But he says, we also need to understand what's happening. We also need to know what's going on. And so there's two things existing here So I want to give them to you What, what is he saying are, are the uses of tongues And what, is, what do we see even uh, throughout, throughout the New Testament And throughout the use of the And the flowing of the gifts of the Spirit The first is the exaltation of God This is a personal intimacy of worship and praise Paul says he prays in tongues, and he recognizes an unintelligible spiritual language. He doesn't deny it, and he invites us even in Scripture to pray in the Spirit. But this is a vertical experience, if I could explain visually, right? This is a vertical experience. When someone's praying in tongues, this is a vertical experience. They're they're praying in the Spirit to God, and then they're praying that God will reveal that so they know what's happening, but this is a supernatural vertical experience. And sometimes you might see somebody, congregationally, having that vertical experience, if you're here, we're praying and we're worshiping. People are having all kinds of vertical experiences led by the Spirit. You might be giving them a vision. You might be giving them something to pray for. for. For example, I sing things that are not on the screen, right? And if I'm singing them, you wouldn't come up to me and be like, hey, pastor, are you expecting that I also sing those things? Be like, what? Who are you? <laughs> like, no, that I'm having a, a me and God. I'm singing out to God. I'm praying to God. I'm worshiping God. Like, but do I need to sing that thing? And I'd say, well, have I, have I got up on stage and sang it over you? No. Then the, this goes back and this is an important Greek word called nunya. You might have heard this word. Translates as nunya business. <laughs> Which is if someone is praying to God and they're worshiping Just be thankful that God is moving upon their life. Be thankful that the Holy Spirit is stirring upon them. Be thankful that they're having having a profoundly supernatural experience and allow them to have that, I guess, for lack of better words. It's weird how we'll put that on ourselves. We wouldn't do it for praise or prayer, but if it's something else, we're like, are they going to expect me to speak in tongues? Like, we're like afraid it pops up. We're about to get drafted into the army of the Spirit, right? It's like, "Uh uh-oh, the draft is here. (laughs) Flee to spiritual Canada, whatever that looks like. But that's a vertical relationship. Now, what changes in what Paul is talking about, he's saying, I pray in tongues, I walk in that. What changes is when it becomes a vertical to horizontal experience yeah. where it begins to speak out over the congregation. So I'll give you a good example. Like, um, is Gillian here? Yeah, so Gillian. So you might hear Gillian up here and she might be pray- praying in tongues. God's moving spiritually. And, she's, and you're like, well, you know, she's on stage and I can hear her. It's like, yeah, you can hear everything Gillian does. <laughs> All right, Right. If Gillian prays, you can hear her in this room. There's only like a hundred of us, right? Like you can hear her. But also, as leaders, we are visual of examples of the pursuit of God. Right? We're, we're examples. We should be examples of what it means to follow Christ. We're shepherds. We go before and we call along with us. So of course you hear. You hear her when she prays. You hear when she sings. You hear when she prays in the tongues. You hear when she prays over people. You hear when she laughs. Right? Gillian is an amazing example of pursuing Christ with the fullness of the Spirit. But Gillian's not going to put it on you to do what she's doing. She's just leading and walking and encouraging you that there's a freedom to follow. There's a freedom to follow. Now, if Gillian begins to speak out a word of tongues over the church, that changes. So now we were in exaltation of God. If she speaks it out, we go into edification of the body. You still with me? Edification of the body. This is second. Exaltation of God. Edification of the body. Paul says, tongues with interpretation edify the body. It's a word of the Spirit that is interpreted by someone. He said to some is given the gift of speaking in tongues and to some interpretation. I think the interpretation might even be the scarier part. <laughs> some are given interpretation. And that's why he says it's better if you have five prophetic words spoken over your congregation than someone speaking in tongues and no one understanding what's happening. I mean, it's interesting, but that's about where it ends. It doesn't edify. And in fact, there's a danger of someone seeking to constantly edify themselves by being the most spiritual and speaking that out. And so he encourages, though we are imperfect people, right? If you speak a, gift of, if you speak a word of tongues, you feel like God's leading you, and there's not an interpretation. We're not going to beat you up and, like, you know, make you sit out in the parking lot and time out. We understand we're, we're, it's an infinite God, we're trying to understand and, and learn and grow and be led by him, but we don't do everything perfectly, right? I've gotten things wrong because I'm, I'm, I'm the traffic jam. <laughs> but he says that there should be an interpretation. He says if someone gives up and gives an unintelligible word through the Spirit, it should be interpreted or they're out of order. I was just at a conference actually not that long ago, and someone stood up. We were just waiting on the Spirit, just having, a, having some time. Someone stood up and gave a word in tongues, and you could tell the whole room was just waiting and it was a room full of pastors. And we just waited. I, it was 30 seconds, but that, that had to be the longest 30 seconds of that dude's life. Right? Because <laughs> it was a room full of pastors, too. He was just waiting. But I loved the obedience. To be led by the Spirit and just get up and speak and trust. Okay, God, if you're giving a word, I'm, I'm just, I'm going with you. I'm, I'm leading. And then someone get, stood up and gave an interpretation. It was a powerful word. I was like, this is incredible. Like, I, I mean, Amazing. And that's how we have to operate. That is the edification with the body. If we pray with the Spirit, that's great, but we don't want to stop there. We want the Spirit, we want God to speak to us as a congregation, right? We want the Spirit to move within us, and so we have to get outside of our insecurities just a little bit and allow Him to move upon us and move within us to see this as a normative Christian behavior and not as something completely outside of what God has called us to do. The church began being Pentecostal. It continues to be Pentecostal. We're not the fringe, we're the tradition, the Holy Spirit wants to move, and then what we see consistently is, is a third form. So we have exaltation of God, we have the edification of the body, and we have evangelism of the nations. Evangelism of the nations. Paul says in verse twenty-two that tongues and interpretation are a sign for the unbeliever, and prophecy is a sign for the body. Why is it a sign for the other other for the believer? Because it's supernatural. <laughs> and surprising. Whether that is someone speaks and then there's an interpretation, or like in Acts 2 when someone speaks and it is heard in a native tongue. That's pretty amazing, right? In Acts 2, the disciples went out and they spoke, and it was heard in the native tongue. That is a profoundly powerful moment, but it's important to hear that the Holy Spirit came to do the Holy Spirit's work. That's that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came so that we might go to the nations sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not so we could have a big like festival here, Though I love that. I love Presence night gathering, but it should fuel us to go out to evangelize the nations. If you're writing notes, I just want you to write this down. The Holy Spirit is the power to fulfill the great commission. See, Christ sent the Spirit to empower his followers to bring the gospel to every nation. Yes, tongues, the speaking of tongues was the initial physical evidence that showed the church. Yes, God is moving powerfully. The Holy Spirit is upon us, and he's moving. But what's amazing is the manifestation immediately pointed to the mission, as, as should the gifts. It immediately pointed to the mission of Jesus Christ. It was like, wow, he's moving, but it, they didn't stay in the house. They went out, and they began to speak, and they began to, to, to speak the truth of the gospel, that's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is he came so that we would go out. They prayed, they sought God, they filled, and they went out speaking. My father-in-law said, "I," uh, and he's such a powerful man of God. I, I really, he was here the other week, and I just enjoyed talking to him. And you know, those people you just gather and you hear, and, and they listen, someone who's an incredible listener, and they listen and they formulate ideas and they come back to you with strong words. I love people like that. Uh, and so we, we were talking, and he said, I, you know, I really feel like the, the gift of tongues was a gift to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And I said, yes, I, I believe that too. And it still is today. It still is today. It still is today to bring the gospel to places that have not received the gospel, to people who have not received the gospel, to people who are far from God. But I think often, and I told them, we pray to keep the gifts, not to go with the gifts. I think many have not seen the gift of tongues and interpretation because God knows you're not going to do anything with it. Like why? I joked about this the other day. I was like, man, I'm praying for God to move in other languages. Who do I know that speaks another language? Now, if you go to Love the Block, you know a lot of people. (laughs) You pray in there, Holy Spirit, would you move right now? And you pray that it's heard and received, and honestly, you'll begin to trust. You go around the world. You know what missionaries rely on? Around the world the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they live lives that require the Holy Spirit. They haven't built lives, and the goal of their life isn't isn't to get enough money and enough systems and enough structure to pretend like they don't need the Holy Spirit. They actively tear those things down so that they must rely on the Holy Spirit. And I felt like God was speaking to His church saying, I'm not sending the Holy Spirit to fill you, to keep you, but to send you. If I send the question is not, God, I will or will not accept you to move in the gift of tongues. The question is, do you even have the life that requires that? Yeah. And if he moved, would you go? If he moved, if you were filled in the upper room, would you step out like that? I, I believe that you would, because I believe when the Holy Spirit moves, it changes something. Yeah. But I just want to encourage if your heart is hardened to that, just invite God to soften your heart. God, just begin to soften my heart to that. I struggle with that. I struggle with going. I struggle with that what would mean, can I just tell you, like, when the Lord's with you, it changes everything. I want to encourage you that if we're truly going to obey the command of Christ on our life, to see our loved ones, see the hurting and broken, to see the lost and ashamed lifted from the pit, we need the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And not just in tongues, in every gift. Yeah. Every gift. Every gift. Every way he moves, we need the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you with something today. The Holy Spirit gives us testimony. The Holy Spirit gives us testimony. In Acts 2.13, it says the people mock them. They say they're drunk. They've been drinking glucose. They've been drinking sweet wine. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 this, this isn't real. Like, they just begin to make fun of them. And I want to encourage you. When you move in the Spirit, people will make fun of you. It will happen. Jesus says they're actually going to hate you and dislike you. We tend to base... This is so interesting because we're in this generation that uses the word love so loosely. We tend to base the success of the gospel on how many people like us, but we follow a Savior who said that people won't like you and they'll kill you. We're like, as long as everyone likes us, and Jesus is like, what? <laughs> I'm just like flipping through here. Now, he says to love one another. But isn't it amazing how when you love someone in truth, oftentimes they don't like you? <laughs> and he says, but listen... The universal acceptance of the gifts is not the goal. the spread of the gospel, and relationship with the Holy Spirit is the goal. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to have a relationship with you. It's not even a point in my sermon, but you need to hear it. The Holy Spirit is a being who wants to have a relationship with you. He's a He, It's a being. It's God, he wants to have a relationship with you. He's not a magical ghost that floats in during presence nights. He longs to have a relationship with you. And man, that relationship is awesome. And he gives us testimony. I love Acts 2.14. You still with me? Okay, good, good. Acts 2.14 says, Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. (laughs) <laughs> that's an awesome way to say it's too early to be drunk <laughs> Which is like, so he didn't say like it's not possible he just said it's too early someone in the back is like it's five o'clock somewhere he's like shush Philip <laughs> like, <laughs> that's enough right there's always one in the bunch <laughs> but he says no we're not drunk and he gets up and he's filled with the spirit and he delivers this powerful powerful sermon powerful we can't read the whole thing right now we don't have time but go read it. a powerful sermon of the word of God Peter, think of the roller coaster of Peter's life over the past fifty days. Roller coaster. Do you think at any moment as Peter began to stand up there was like the enemy whispering into him, like, yeah, but come on, dude, like look at yourself. Look what you've done over the past month. You're the guy you're the guy who's gonna speak for God in this moment. Do you think the enemy whispered? Like, come on, man, you're not enough. Look at your past. Look what you've done. But it says Peter filled with the Spirit. He's filled with the the Spirit is your testimony. The Spirit is your anointing. People say, "I don't know what to say." Perfect. Then you won't take any credit for it. I was with my brother Jose. He's in this church, and we went and prayed for someone this last week. And we left praying for them. And he said, "Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, my my, I'm not that good with words. I don't like to talk." I was like, "Jose, you just prayed for a guy for an hour, a whole, a human hour, 60 minutes. You prayed for somebody." <laughs> you were there, right? He prayed for so long. I was like, if you're not good with words, we know whose words those were, right? He said, it was the Holy Spirit. I said, exactly, it was the Holy Spirit. He said, I don't know if I'm qualified. I'm like, perfect, then you're not going to take any credit for it. (laughs) That's exactly what we want, that God moved. I told the Love the Block team, we came back, and it it was a heavy moment. I said, man, there's people in heaven because you stepped out and were led by the Spirit, And you might not feel the most qualified, but you're anointed by the Holy Spirit, and he moves. So here's what happens, Acts 2.37. You still with me? Okay, we're rolling. 2.37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and your children and those who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. says, And with many words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day. About 3,000 souls. Amazing. Praise God. That's the work of the Spirit. It's like instant, like one-day mega-church. The Holy Spirit moves through us to transform lives. I tell you he's a gift and he's a gift that moves through us to transform lives purely and entirely this is an act of the Holy Spirit the prayer, the filling, the speaking, the sermon and the conviction these are all acts of the Holy Spirit it wasn't because Peter was great it's because the God who who is within him is great see when we speak we speak with the wisdom of the Spirit we're full of the Spirit when we lay hands on the sick we anoint them with his power not our power, I can't heal the sick but God can through me We might feel our vocal cords speaking a testimony, but it's the Holy Spirit that touches their heart. We might give words of hope or scripture, but it's God, it's the Holy Spirit who sets it upon their heart. He convicts, he transforms, he renews. Can I just say this morning, church, what a blessing it is to be filled with the Spirit that everywhere we go, we can see lives changed. We can see people snatched from hell and from despair. Can I just, do you want that? Because man, it's a blessing to live full of the Spirit. To walk with the Spirit. And I love, what, I love what Peter says here, and I want to say it over your life as the band comes forward today. The Holy Spirit is a gift for all believers. Today, if you say, Lord, I choose you as my Lord and Savior, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are raised from the dead. I no longer set myself upon the throne of my life, but I serve you as my Lord and Savior. Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit has come for you? For you, Jesus promised. The disciples believed. They waited. The Spirit fell. They were filled. Some people say, "Well, that ended with them." No, they were apostles. They were builders. Where they went, they prayed for people, and they were filled with the Spirit. That's what my, that's what my Bible says. They were they wherever they went, they prayed for people. They were filled with the Spirit. They were apostles. They were builders. See, people that say that's over. They don't understand how you build. I've never built a house where the foundation dissolved after a while or disappeared in the night in some undisclosed time. Upon the foundation, everything rests. Everything rests. We founded this church on the rock, filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit remains. In Acts 2.38, Peter says, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I love this scripture. Hear this over your life. So for the promise is for you and for your children, so the next generation, and for all who are far off. Hear that again. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. You know, I'm thankful for that because I am the far off. Anyone else here the far off? Amen. Not from Israel. I grew up Jewish. Not a part of that, that people. I'm the far off. I'm the Gentile. I'm the Gentile of Gentiles. If there was a list of Gentileness, I would be the far off. <laughs> yeah. Far off. But the Holy Spirit is a gift for me. It's a gift for you, for you and your children. For the generations, it's a gift. He's a gift, not it's a gift. Apologies, he's a gift. He's a gift for you right now, right here, in this place. He's a gift for you. You know, the believers went around, and they found people who believed in Jesus Christ, but had not received the Holy Spirit. And some of you here today, I want to ask, have you received the Holy Spirit? You might have begun to recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've not yet recognized the beauty of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And today I want to say the Spirit is for you and your children and for those who are far off. That the Spirit is for you right now, right here in this place. Some of you today, you're far off. And you know, and you're feeling stirred right now. Something needs to change and I want to tell you if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus has risen from the grave and you say, send your spirit upon me that we'll pray that you'll be full of the spirit and it will happen. Some of you today, you know that God has given you new life but you have not invited his spirit to dwell with you and be manifest and today you need to make that choice to say, Holy Spirit I open my heart to you He's not going to kick in the door of your heart, but he longs to come in and dwell with you. Some of you today, filled with the Spirit, but honestly, the weariness of the world has beat you down. And like those who prayed and were filled and renewed, you're just praying, God, renew me, that I might see you manifest in my life, a greater revelation of your great love for me and a greater manifestation of your presence in my life. I invite you, would you stand with me as we close this morning? Go ahead and bow your eyes. Or bow, bow your heads close your eyes. <laughs> bow your eyes. You get it. <laughs> In this place this morning, I want to give three calls. One, if you're far off and you want to come near to God and be filled with the Spirit, today I pray that you would receive Him and receive His Spirit. Some of you, you know God, but you've not invited His Spirit to dwell with you and be manifest. Something you've held off, maybe past hurts, Maybe you just didn't really understand, but today you're saying, Holy Spirit, I invite you to move. And I know we talked about tongues, but if you heard me, there are many gifts of the Spirit. And our job is just to be open to Him and allow Him to move. There's one Spirit, many gifts. So maybe today you're filled with the Spirit, but honestly your weariness or maybe in that relationship, that relationship has begun to fall away, and you're here to say, Holy Spirit, I I just long to be near you. And you're saying, "I, I want more of you, fill me anew. If that's you here today and you're saying, Holy Spirit, I, I need you today. Baptize me, fill me, renew me. If that's you here today, I just invite you to lift your hands today. Holy Spirit, I need you. Baptize me, renew me, fill me. In fact, I, I want to be a little bold. I know the eyes are closed, the heads are bowed. If you're able... I want to invite you just to come forward. I want to pray for you very specifically. If you're you're making that call, Holy Spirit, I need you. And you raise your hand. Go ahead and just come forward in this moment. If you can, come forward. I know there's people who can't, but we'll still pray for you. But I invite you to come forward and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you. Holy Spirit, baptize me. You're praying for that. Maybe the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Maybe it's just falling afresh. Holy Spirit. fight our team. Just even now, come around. They're going to lay hands and begin to pray over you. I invite you, if you're here today, if you'd like prayer, in fact, let let me have Carlos. Carlos, come here. If you'd like prayer, but you're unable to come up, would you just lift your hand? I want to send someone to pray for you. Okay, Carlos, you can watch. If someone raises their hand, thank you. I want to pray over you today that the Holy Spirit would move upon you. And I invite you even in this moment to begin to invite him. Say, Holy Spirit, I give you my heart. Every part of me, I give it to you. Those deep places and just say, Holy Spirit, move. Begins with prayer. Fall afresh. Fall on me, Holy Spirit. I want to pray that you be baptized today in the Holy Spirit. If you're praying for that Holy Spirit baptizing me, just lift your hands and Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would baptize right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, each one of these believers. What we've received, we give unto them, the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, the authority that we've received, we give right now. Receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit upon you right now. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, would you baptize, would you overcome, would you come upon in this moment with the power of your Spirit. Wherever you are, just begin to pray right now over these lives. Holy Spirit, move upon these lives right now. Move upon these lives right now. Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.